All right, promisers, good morning. You guys glad to be in the house of God today? Come on. Every Vol fan ought to be in the house thanking God for last night. Come on. I am pretty convinced the Saturday night worship and prayer has pulled them out for two weeks in a row. So come on. Come on. There we go. Great to see you. Great to see you, ladies. This coming Friday night, our Bold Ladies Conference is free. You need to go online and sign up. We ought to have a 1,000 ladies here celebrating and worshiping our Lord. So this this coming Friday night. By the way, we've got a new website up for a dropout series called I'mNoDropout.com. It's got 12 two-minute videos help you in building your faith. Go check that out. Like that. Send that to your friends. Welcome, promisers from all of our campuses. Ecstatic to see you. We've had a great weekend already. You're in for the worship's already been off the chart, so we're thrilled to see you from Anderson, Campbell, by the way, both Anderson and Campbell have doubled this year in attendance. People are being saved. God is moving. So from our North Knox and Blunt and Pellissippi and Internet campuses, Costa Rica campus, and, and I got to tell you, I spoke last Sunday night at our God Behind Bars. Guys, we love y'all at Bledsoe County, man. We're so grateful to uh, be with you guys. And I got to tell you, Man, I, it is the most worshiping campus we have. The, the cable broke. They didn't have words, and those guys did not know the words of these songs, I promise you. And they were up celebrating. Every now and then they'd know a couple words, and they'd shout them out. And I thought, oh, my mercy, because, you know, a lot of people in our other campuses, a lot of people come to church, and we're supposed to be just thrilled that you're here. Right? Like, kiss my ring, Pastor. I'm here. Come on. <laughs> but that is the most grateful group of men. Guys, I so enjoyed being with y'all. I had to shake all 300 hands when those guys left. Guys got saved. They worshiped. Man, we love you, God, behind bars. Man, we're excited. So this coming Saturday, if you'd like to be a volunteer on our God Behind Bars ministry, we're having a training Saturday. You got to be trained so you can go. It's a requirement. Sign up on the communication card or go to our mission steps at all of our campuses. And uh, after the service, there'll be somebody to help you. But it really was. It was unbelievable last weekend on what was going on. By the way, we were one vote shy. Of, and really, first vote we've had in years one vote shy of unanimous, which I was thrilled at until I found out whoever voted no did not give a $9 million check. So I'm going to their house this week to collect that. So, man, it, it's now, now we, are, we strive, strive in this day of skepticism and suspicion, and much of it is rightly deserved. But in Faith Promise, we are hypercritical of being transparent in what we do financially. So we have an outside audit every year. You can go on our website. You'll see the, you'll see, uh, the, the report for an outside firm. About every 10 years, we change firms just to keep it. And so that is always on our website for you to see. But this week, we are, just to let you know, we also walk through our CFO, Aaron, and Mallory HR, they do an unbelievable job just with a small staff of almost $10 million a year that comes through here. It's phenomenal. 
So they got all the refi done. They got the audit done. But we've also walked through the process with the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, ECFA. And we've walked through all of their procedures just for one more level of transparency and financial accountability. So we've been certified clear, clean, and uh, on how everything that we do bookkeeping. So, man, it's exciting, and we're thrilled how God's blessing us. Now, while we're talking about money, we were, were talking about money, weren't we? While we're talking about money, I, I shared this last week, and, and I was with one of my mentors, Chris Hodges, Church of the Highlands, and, and I was telling him, hey, Chris, you know, we finished our budget year June 30, and I celebrated with the church $750,000 ahead of budget, and man, it's exciting. And now we've finished our first quarter, and we're $225,000 behind budget. I said, man, I, I, I don't get it. And he said, oh, that's your fault. He says, well, thank you for the love. Could you, because I have some mentors that will tear your head off and pour salt in the hole. And so I said, okay, pastor, tell me what I did. He said, yeah, you celebrated that your $750,000 had a budget, but you didn't cast vision. You left a vision gap. You undervisioned the church. Now, I sort of pride myself on, on being a visionary. And he said, you didn't cast vision, so why would they keep giving? Because, you know, see, a budget is what we've committed, right? We started GBB, we've committed to pay. All of our campuses, all of our missionaries that we commit to, when we do a budget, these, these, these dollars are obligated, right? Does that make sense? And then when it is over budget, it's vision. It's what we're going to do once we hit over budget, and we almost always do. It's like heart for the harvest. It is, for, it is above budget giving. It is, if you're new, we'll be taking that in about seven weeks. It's once a year annual free will offering. It's how we do our campuses. But, but, but when we're ahead of budget, I want you to think about something. Again, budget is dedicated dollars, right? Let me ask you a couple questions. If you listen, say I am. Should we start back our University of Tennessee campus? Is anybody for that? Okay. How about, how about a Dream Center and a Faith Promise campus inner city Knoxville? Would y'all be for that? How about, how about Lenore City, Farragut, East Knoxville, South Knoxville, Sevier County, Roan County, Union County, Claiborne County, Granger County? How about, how about that we expand out the gospel? Are you with me? So... What, what I just shared is $50 million. So when I tell you we're $750,000 ahead of budget, that's not scratching what God wants this family to do. Does that make sense? So, so I apologize. I apologize right up front. It's my fault. We're behind budget, $225,000. But remember, that's what we committed to do. And so I want to challenge, let's catch that budget up. Amen. Let's just catch that up because we're about, the, this quarter is one of the best giving quarters of the year. So, man, let's just be faithful financially and fund the budget and the vision and let's move on. Amen. All right. Now, if you missed last weekend, we built a biblical baseline for the season dropout. And it's so important. It, it is so important. So I want to challenge you to go back and watch that podcast, go on our website podcast it. And, and, and so, because, because we don't want, we don't want to be, we don't want to be dropouts, right? We don't want our family to drop away from faith. So now I've apologized once for the budget, right? Okay. Let me apologize a second time for what I'm about to do. Just let me tell it up front. Cause this is just the only way I knew to sort of communicate this vision. And so this is going to be horrible. 
Are y'all ready? So let me show you how, because so many times as fashion changes, so does faith. So let me show you a couple things right here. This is me. Now, <clears throat> I'm not confused. This was Halloween. Okay, this was Halloween. So, but this is a long time ago. So, but I want you to see how things change. Go to the next one. See, <clears throat> are you digging the Bill Cosby sweater? The, the flowers. Next one. Come on. Somebody. See, I told y'all I had an afro, and some of y'all didn't believe it. That right there is a fro, baby. I'm talking about it. Come on, somebody in the house. But, but listen, it's not the afro. It's that bad light blue purple leisure suit that I'm talking about. Listen, if you could see the collars, they're this wide. That tie is big as a basketball. You know what I'm talking about? Now, some of you are saying, well, I, I have one of those. That's not funny. I don't worry. Well, they're back. But this was 1974. Most of you all were not born next. Help me. That's not Michelle, by the way. Next. Handsome young man. Little pins all over next. There we go. Come on. Again, check out the bad elbow pads. Y'all see that sweater? Bill Cosby was my hero back then. Nobody likes him today, but back then they liked him. Next, here we go, double-breasted. Come on, somebody, double-breasted, three-piece. All right, that's enough of that punishment. What I, what I, I did that for a reason, and that is this. So many people that go to church have what, what we're calling a fashionable faith, and when fashion changes, your faith changes. It's a seasonal faith. When the season changes, your faith changes. It's like somebody growing up in church, they get about a junior, senior in high school, freshman in college, they get out in the world, and boom, they're gone. See, their faith was seasonable. It wasn't eternal. And so a fashionable faith gets outgrown, outdated, and left behind. Does that make sense? Out, a fashionable, because see, again, fashions change, gets outgrown, outdated, and left behind. And that's what's going on with so much of the American church. It had a seasonal faith. It was cool to be faith. Now it's not cool to have faith anymore. And as the culture has turned against Christ, more and more, we just say, well, I, well I'm following the culture. Well, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're counterculture. You're going upstream. You're going a different way. But so many people, the season changes, they drop out. And the problem is this, and if you missed last weekend, let me just say, this is a difficult topic to look at many of you guys and preach. I'm just going to be honest with you because I know where some of your family members are, and so this is difficult. But Jesus said in Matthew 10, 22, but it is the one who has, what? Till thee, who will be. It is the one who has to thee, who will be. See, biblically, it is not how you start the journey, it's how you finish. But the American church has flipped it upside down, and we say, as long as you prayed a prayer when you were in vacation Bible school as a kid in the South, as long as you prayed that prayer, you can live like you ever want to, do like you want to. We've all been at a funeral of someone that hasn't donned the door of a church in 50 years, hasn't picked up a Bible in 50 years, don't care about the things of God, the house of God, the word of God, or the God of the house. And yet when they die, we all say, well, they're gone to heaven. And Jesus said, it's those that endure to the end that will be what? 
See, what we need to develop is an everyday faith that is an everlasting faith because what so many people have, they have a Sunday morning faith that doesn't affect Monday morning. Are y'all with me? Come on, I want you to really lock in because this is so important. What we've got to do, promisers, is we've got to develop an everyday faith in the home. In the home. We live in America. We live in the 21st century, and we have compartmentalized all of our life. The, the, the faith is to the church. Food is to McDonald's. Education is to the teachers. Athletic is to the coaches. And we are simply too busy, Pastor, as parents to do that. So we've given that to you. It's not our job. It is your job. But I want to challenge you that the Word of God says to parents, it is your job to disciple your kids, not mine. It's your job, your job, your job. So we're giving it back. We're giving it back. The Word of God is full. As a matter of fact, the Bible is so clear from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it is dad's job to disciple. But dads have relegated it to moms, and moms have relegated it to the children's pastor and the student pastors, and it's not their job either because everybody is busy, and so because we are busy, we are distracted, and while we are distracted, the devil has eked into our home and is destroying our children and our marriages and our relationships and our churches because we're diverted, because we're busy. Does this make sense to anybody? And so, man, I, listen, what I want to do is I want to lob that ball back across the net and say, faith is most easily developed in the home. You have the kids 365 days uh, a year, 24 hours a day. If you're really committed, you go to small group and you go to one hour for worship. You do that if you're really committed about 30 weekends a year, which means 60 hours a year, you and your kids get spiritual training. That's a little over two days out of 365. There is no way that in two days the church, no matter how good it is, how great and good looking the pastor is, no matter what's going on, that you are going to overcome the world that is just, just pumping media in messages into us counter Bible. Does that make sense? Let's give you a thought. Just uh, the Huffington uh, Post out of a recent recent. Survey, recent study, children who eat at least five times a week with their families are at lower risk of developing poor eating habits, weight problems, alcohol or substance dependencies. They tend to perform better academically than their peers who eat alone or away from home. So God, speaking through, the, through Moses, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, 3,500 years ago, spoke this to us long before we had scientists. And he said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's called the Shammah, or what is considered by Israelites the most important paragraph in all of the Older Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is what? He is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your? Are you what? With all of your? And with all of your? With all of your? All of your? And all of your might. That's not, a, that's not a Sunday morning faith. That's a 24-7 everyday faith that transforms everything you do. And he, said, and he said, these words which he has spoken to love God, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your what? 
and you shall teach them diligently, which diligent means to give forth all of your effort to your sons and your daughters. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, which means when you're eating at mealtime, a great time. Not to preach your kids, not to be some legalistic Pharisee, but just let your kids know. You just talk about God, talk about the day. When you eat and when you walk by the way, when you're taking them to school, when you're traveling, when you lie down, bedtime, when you get up, uptime. It's a great time that you are pouring in faith into your kids. And everyday, everlasting faith blossoms best in the home. Does this make sense? And so what do we do? All of our ministries, we come alongside parents to help parents do what they're already doing. So parents, let me ask you a question. What's more important, your kids' fashion or their faith? What's more important, your kids' grades are being godly? What's more important, your kids' success in the world are to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What's more important, your kids walking in the Word of God or walking in the world? Does this make sense? Because can I be honest for a second? As I hear all of our parents talk, let me tell you what I don't hear. I don't hear mom and dad saying, I'm really concerned about my kids' quiet time. Really concerned that my fourth grader may not be full of the Spirit of God. I'm really concerned that my kids, you know, are not being called to ministry or missions. Matter of fact, most parents don't want your kids called to ministry or missions. You want your kids to buy a house right next to yours and be there forever. <laughs> and so I don't hear parents, that's just not what I hear. Does this make sense? Is anybody out there? Because listen, your kids can make good grades and go to hell. Your kids can make a million dollars. And Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose their own soul? You're not, listen, I'm, and I'm not saying making it in the world is not important, but it does, it pales. This little life that we're going to live 70, 80, 90 years here is insignificant compared to eternity. What you're doing, mom and dad, is training your kids for eternity. Matter of fact, they're not even yours. They're God's kids, and you're raising them for God, not for America. You're raising them for God's kingdom, not the kingdom of this world. So you want to make a difference? You lovingly put it. What was the last verse your kids memorized? When my daughter was four, we memorized the ABCs. A, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. C, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. D, depart from evil and do good. And we can go all the way through 26. So when she was four, she had 26 verses memorized. Why? Why? Because the most important thing that I can do for my kids is teach them to love the Lord their God with their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. Are you with me? Is anybody listening? So, we're going to pick up the, the Joshua, one of the great leaders of Israel, the last sermon. Actually, the Deuteronomy 6 is the last sermon that Moses preached. Now let's go to the last sermon that his son in the ministry, Joshua, who's the one that came after him, what he preached. Joshua chapter 24, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity with all of your heart and truth and put in the way the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. See, the problem was that these children now watch their mom and dad bow down to Egyptian idols. And so many kids that go to this church watch their mom and dad bow down to the idol of money, to the idol of success and status, and we have proved with our lifestyle that the most important thing to our kids is making money, not serving the master. 
Is anybody listening? And so it is absolutely critical. It is, it is key that your mom and dad serve beyond the river and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve because you will serve somebody or something. We are created to worship. You'll serve something. It may be orange. Now, if you watched the game last night, you related revival. Then you were about to slit your wrist, and you were having revival. Are you with me? <laughs> Come on, somebody. And some of you serve a God that is green, and when the stock market hits 18,000, you are celebrating. When it is seven, you want to slit your wrists, and your kids are watching as to what matters most because you will serve somebody. But see, choose whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, as for me and my family, as for me and my wife, as for me and my kids, as for me and my house, we will serve thee. Who? The Lord. We will worship him and serve him with our heart, mind, soul, strength, and body. Man, that's what we're going to do. So an everlasting faith. Let me give you this. An everlasting faith is not an elective. You ever been in college? Those of you who went to college, you, you declare a major, and there are core classes. You had to have those to graduate. And then there are electives because you have to have a certain amount of hours. So an elective is like golf, gym, basket weaving. Because all you need is an hour. But an elective is what you, in your core classes you have to have to graduate. Shouldn't every faith promise family, faith be at the forefront of everything that we do? Are you, is it, should it? Is it? I believe y'all broke out in tongues because I'm not sure what you just said right there. Now, Joshua's last message is actually referencing Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19 when he said, for I've chosen him so that he may command his what? Children, it is so full. This is so throughout the Word of God. And his household after him, see, after you depart, you're leaving it to your kids, your household, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Man, it is the God of Abraham, the God of, and the God of, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I am going to pass down to my kids the God that I serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And my kids know the God of Chris and Michelle. Because we have injected, we have prayed over, poured over, we have rocked over, we have tried to walk it out, we've tried to love them and love God at the same time. But what they know is God is number one in our lives because he gets more money than our house gets. He gets more of our time than the world gets. He gets more of our affection and adulation and adoration. We have all, we, we have this awe of Abba, our heavenly Father. Does this make sense? Let me, tell you, let me tell you why for many of us this weekend, this is difficult. Some of us struggle with loving the Father because we are full of father wounds. I take it from somebody that was sexually and physically abused by stepdads. I get it. I get it. I get they hurt you. I got the abandonment. I understand the abuse. I got that. 
But are you going to let that guy that hurt you 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago block you from the love of the Father who loves you with an everlasting love? Are you going to let them keep hurting you and hindering you from the greatest thing in the universe, which is experiencing the love of the Father? Come on, we're smarter than that in Jesus' name. Are we not? Come on. But because we have father wounds, we go to Jesus because we sort of see Jesus as a brother. But we reject the father. Can I tell you, not only do we need to love the heavenly father, but we need some spiritual fathers here on earth. I have about four guys who are spiritual fathers. You met John Maxwell a few weeks ago, one of my spiritual dads. And you know what? Those guys are older, sharper, faster, smarter, and I go to them for wisdom. Don't let your father wound keep you from all that God has for you. Does this make sense? Now, see, a, a, a non-dropout faith is an everyday faith, and an everyday faith is where you get your identity from. And the reason so many people drop out of church is because their identity is not rooted in Jesus. Their identity is not found in him. It was a seasonal faith. It was cool when they were middle school and being part of the youth group or high school, but hey, they're college, they're smarter than that now, they're better, they're brighter, they're faster. It was a seasonable faith. And so people drop out because their identity is not in Jesus. If we're going to follow him, if we are followers of Christ, if we are Christians, if we have surrendered our lives to him, then we are going to follow after him. We're not going to be dropouts. Because, see, you can't have an identity apart from the creator. A cr the creation gets its identity from the creator, right? He put eternity in your heart so that you would want to be a part of what he is doing. So Deuteronomy 6, when you get up in the morning, when you're having meals together, when you're traveling, when you go to, you go to bed, impart, implant, infuse faith into your family so that we will have an everlasting faith and no dropouts in Jesus' name. Come on, does this make sense? And this is the deal. Parents, what, what, what would your kids say is your God? If I were to go to the children's ministry at any of our campuses this weekend and pull your kid out of the room and say, what's the most important thing to your mom and dad? What would they say? Your job, your money, your house? If they're real little bitty, they'd probably say me. <laughs> and then they get old enough to realize, well, that's not the truth. <laughs> so what would your parent, what would your kid say is the most important thing? Because, hey, guess what? Whatever's most important is your God. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Does that make sense? So at Faith Promise, at Faith Promise, all the parents, all the ministries, we are at war with hell for your soul and the souls of your kids. That's why we don't want any dropouts. Not so that we'll have bigger numbers or we'll be on a top 100 list. We want to see people go to heaven. We want to see people develop a faith that lasts every day. So last week, we moved from a decision to a disciple. And this weekend, I want you to understand that faith will flourish in a godly, grace-filled family. Does this make sense? Because they're going to grow up and be just like you. I meet some of your kids, and I know whose they are. Because <laughs> some of you scarred them. They look just like you. Come on. And so and they act like you. Now, for some of you, what we're talking about is hard because you're what's a first-generation Christian. I was a first-generation Christian. When I got saved, nobody in my family knew the Lord. So at Christmas, if I wanted to get together and do the Christmas story, they said, you're crazy. Half of them were, I mean, just, I'm not even going to, mm, mm, mm. they might be watching online. I'm not going to talk about that. At Thanksgiving, let's thank God for what he's doing. What are you talking about? 
Now many of them have become believers, and now we have kids, and now we have grandkids. One of the things I pray for every day is my, my two granddaughters. Let me tell you that they will be mighty warriors for God. I pray over them. Why? Because the Bible says the blessed man will see his children's children's children. And I want to see my kids serve the same God, the God of Chris and Michelle, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Word of God that we want to pour into them. Are y'all with me? Come on. So... If you're a first-generation Christian, what we're giving you this weekend is a cheat sheet. So you'll know what to do when you, when you have more families because what we want to do is help you graduate. Now, let me ask you a question. In school, if you drop out, do you graduate? How many people that drop out of the house of God are going to graduate to heaven? There are some, but a whole lot less than we believe. A lot less because those that endure to the end will be what? saved. Now, thank God faith promises a place where prodigals can come back. Then the Bible says, train up a child in the way he is, that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Thank God for that. You pour into your kids, you, but, but listen, your kids are your responsibility, right? They're your responsibility. I've had more parents than I could ever count walk up and say, Pastor, faith promise failed my kid. They don't go to church anymore. They're out there on drugs. The church failed my kid. Huh? Well, you talk about shirking some responsibility and shifting some blame. Now, have we dropped the ball? Sure we have. Are we a perfect church? No, no, no. But they're yours. You had them. Remember, you went to the hospital, gave birth to them, and you brought them home. They have your last name. And so, man, let's inject it in some serious faith. That makes sense. Let me show you the faith of a family, Acts chapter 16. Oh, I wish I had time to set the stage for this because Paul has just worshipped at midnight. He and Silas, after being beaten, and the chains fall off. What? Oh, my mercy. This is unbelievable. We're, going, we're getting ready for Lord's Supper. And so the jailer said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and your in the Greek word, it's oikos, your family, and your household will be saved. And, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his what? See, he's about to kill himself, and Paul says, we're all here. Don't know. Chill out. We're all here. And he fell down on his knees before Apollos asked, what do I have to do to be saved? And they told him he got saved. He said, now listen, please come home and tell my wife and my kids what you just told me. He goes home. He wakes up his wife his kids. Everybody in the living room, come on. And Paul preached the gospel and his whole family. Look, and he took them that very hour, not washed their wounds. Immediately he was baptized. He and all his what? His household. Man, he cared about his family. He had a burden. He took them. Why? Because we don't want dropouts. We want our family to graduate and go to heaven with us. And so, man, we're about to celebrate this table of the Lord in just a minute. But before we do, there's some people that need to join the family of God. How do you join the family of God? I'm talking about the broad, not faith promise, the broad family of God. How you get, you, you give your heart to Jesus. You get born again. You get saved. You get redeemed. You get paid for. The reason Jesus died on the cross was to cover up all your sins with his blood. And so if you're ready to get, have all your sins forgiven, come on, this is not rocket science. If you're ready to begin a relationship with the son so that you can know the father, and it took me about four months after I was saved that I received my first absolute hug from God. It's the first time I felt the arms of a father pull me in and love me like I wanted to be loved my whole life. 
So if you're ready to begin a relationship with that God, with every head bowed, every eye closed, right now, just pray this prayer. We're going to pray this out loud with you. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I am so sorry. Forgive me. Would you come in my heart? Be my Lord and my Savior. I've lived for myself, and now I will live for you. I put all my faith in you alone to save me. Help me endure to the end as I live an everyday faith in you, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, somebody give God some praise.